Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 47 of the North Meet South Web Podcast. Michael, it has been what we call a hot minute since the last time we've a had an episode. Minute. Yeah, a hot minute. It's been it's been two months. It's has this seriously been two months? Twenty fifth of July is the last time we put an episode out. Oh my out. gosh, we're gonna we lost our entire listenership. Everybody's gone. And the thing is, everyone else is starting their own podcast now. Chris Fidel's got a podcast. Oh my! Andy Swick has got a podcast coming out with a couple of people. Really? Like. I don't know. I don't even know if it's even worth doing this. People probably don't even, don't even want to hear us anymore. They've forgotten we've existed. <laughs> but Maybe at least we've true. always got Laravel News. Like we've managed to keep Laravel News pretty tight. It's, so that's, it's true. that's okay. We but, have other people that we have other so, people so, to yeah, keep uh, you know, keep us accountable on that right. one. That's right. So so what's been going on? it's been summer holidays over there. You've had Laracons come up. There's yeah, been a, yeah. a lot going on that's kind of kept us apart. Yeah. So let's see. Yeah, it was a great summer. We got to use the pool a lot. It was a lot of fun. Kids learned to swim this summer, which was really awesome. Harrison, our little guy, got really big. He's walking around super naughty. He's getting a bad attitude these days. He's super funny <laughs> and he's got a big opinion about everything. Our uh, little girl just started in school this year, which was really tough. So we've got two kids in school. It was a heartbreak to see her go to school. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of like my entire summer wrapped up real quick. I think, let's see, where did we go? We went to Michigan. We went to St. Louis before the end of the school year. We did a lot of fun, just fun family stuff this summer. So it was really good. But that, that's what was keeping us busy. Yeah. We were, you know, we were gone. It seems like we record on Fridays or Saturdays and we were gone a lot of Fridays or Saturdays, which is what kind of kept us away. But now that we're back in the school year, it's going to be, we're going to be home a lot more on the weekends. So hopefully be able to yeah. do this a little more regularly now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's given me the opportunity to sort of spend a bit of time with Eli and just watching awesome. him grow. Cause like, you know, these early, early stages, you've, you've had four kids. So, you know, this and our listeners that have had kids know this, the, the early stages is when they really like progress really quickly oh, yeah. and learn new things. And there's always something new and exciting that's happening. So Eli started, um, you know, not laughing, but starting to develop a bit of a voice and he's getting a bit more vocal now, which is really exciting. Oh, and, that's awesome. You know, obviously he's not speaking, but you can have a nice little conversation with him as well. So, oh yeah, they they watch you. Is he following you with his eyes yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He started doing that. I mean, he's more interested in looking at pretty much anything else, but if you, if you catch his glance, he will follow you, yeah. which is which was cool. So, and he started blowing bubbles and trying to get one fist in. And this week he's like tried to get both fists in his mouth at once. So it's been really cool. Uh, and really that's funny. Awesome. Like, and he just, he just pulls these faces. Like he's got this little Robert De Niro face that he does when nice. he's like crying where he's sort of, he's crying and then he stops to look to see if anyone's paying attention to him. And then he like keeps crying again. So, but he's, uh, he's developed this little squeal, like this real high pitched squeal. And, He's got all kinds of variations of cries and I haven't, like, I know that there's different cries now, but I don't really know what any of them are for. And sometimes he will just make noise and there's not really any reason to it. He just wants to make noise. So it's pretty cool from that perspective, just the same sort of growing up now. Yeah. I think for, uh, eventually what you learn is that about 90, 99% of those cries can just be ignored. No, I sound like a terrible parent, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no just teasing i mean yeah. uh the funny thing is like i remember with uh our first like that boy i don't know if he ever cried for longer than maybe five seconds i mean we were just right on yeah. top of him you know mm-hmm. um harrison's so funny though like because he i mean sometimes when you have a, you know when you have a bunch of kids sometimes you just can't be like right there so like 
you kind of just got to let him yeah. figure it out sometimes. But yeah, Harrison's now like he'll yell and stomp his foot if he gets mad about something <laughs> right now. So he's just, nice. uh, you know, a little man. It's fun. Yeah. Though. Yeah. So, I mean, Eli's, Eli's at the point they say for the, uh, we were, we've sort of been going the first three months. You want to like be on top of them as, as soon as they start crying because at that age, you're trying to build trust with them. So they don't really, they don't really understand. Whereas now oh, yeah, he's absolutely. a little bit older, it's a bit easier. You know, you can leave him for a minute. Like he might just stop crying. He might amuse himself. It's getting to the point where we can like put him down at night to sleep. And sometimes it takes 20 minutes or so, but he'll just lay there until he falls asleep, which is really good. Cause that is really good. Now it's yeah. Up until now, it's been a case of like, he, you've got to get him to fall asleep on you. Cause yep. he wouldn't, you know, Oh yeah. and then it's, you put him down and the second you put him down, like he's gone from mummy or daddy's warm chest to cold bed. And yep. he's like, I'm awake. Yep, like, yep. What are you doing? And, and he gives you that look, like he just looks at you and he just, what are you doing to me? His That's eyebrow so furrows up and he's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? So it's so cruel. But yeah, he's starting to guys. sleep a lot better. Yeah. And I say he's starting to sleep a lot better. Uh, we've had like four or five nights this week where he slept for five hours in one block. The first time it was like five hours and it was three hours and it was two hours, which was really good. Then it was like five hours and four hours and two hours. And then it was back to like two and a half hours, two and a half hours, oh, one no. hour. Yeah. So, but it's okay. So last night it was five hours and then then he woke up a couple of times, but he's he's certainly getting a lot more consistent around his longer sleeps, which is good. That is good. Good for you guys. That's awesome. seems like you guys are doing well with, uh, you know, working together on it and stuff. I get to see some of your funny text messages through Telegram every once in a while. So that's <laughs> always fun. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. good, man. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that everything's going well with the little man and... Uh, and all that stuff. So there's our there's our family life, everybody. That's uh, that's what's going on in our families. So, uh, yeah. as they say in Nacho Libre, one of my favorite movies. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> the nitty gritty. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Okay. So, I wrote down a couple of things actually that I was interested in talking about, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then maybe we can transition to some of the stuff that you're working on. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. So, I have taken on a rather large side large side project which is actually for the nonprofit that I work for. But basically, they have this registration system that they use to sign people up for the mission trips that they organize. And mm-hmm. uh, it includes both the ability to register yourself, to manage a list of participants who can also be like members of your family, who you can uh, also apply for these different trips. Uh, we will handle like transportation. So we have to know like their departure city for the airport that they're leaving from and have to have spots to put in all that information and blah, 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 and keep track of balances. And then also allow them to donate and, you know, get donations towards their trip and all this stuff. So it's a lot, it is a big project. But one of the things I've really been focusing on is making sure that the signup process, the registration process is super solid and super simple. And up to this point, like what it's kind of been in the past, is it's just been a lot of freeform text fields, which is fine, right? Which is super simple implementation. But what ends up happening is the connections that you would normally have in place, the relationships you'd have in place on the back end just don't work when all you have is freeform text fields. Perfect example would be like they want to know uh, what organization or what church you're going with because there's a good chance that there's like a large number of, of churches that, or you know a large number of people from a specific church that are going. And so if you just have a freeform yeah. text field, well, that doesn't really work that well, right? Because you, there's no way to guarantee everyone's going to write the same church name exactly, differently. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And or if there's two Calvaries from two different cities, 
right? How do you distinguish between the mm -hmm. two of those kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So there's been some really fun challenges and I kind of just wanted to share some of the things I've gone through and some of the solutions I've come to with you and with our listening audience. So before I get to kind of the solution I came them. up with that, I came up with for that, I wanted to talk about maybe a little bit of a, I don't know if it's controversial or uh, I'll just be interested to hear your thoughts on it. So sure. one, one of the things I've, I've tried to do is, you know, it's, um, we're trying to make it both, you know, desktop friendly and mobile friendly. And also I just want it to look pretty, right. And compact and nice and neat. And so one thing yep. that I've always hated is radio buttons. I feel like the targets are super uh -huh. small. I mean, like if you include the label in there, which you usually would, like that makes the, you know, target a lot larger for mobile yeah. or whatever. But I just have always felt like eh, I don't really like the way that they look and just felt like maybe there was a better thing that represents them. Right. So Steve Shoger actually mm -hmm. had something out there a while ago. And I, I spend a lot of time looking up kind of reference material on Dribble. And so this idea of instead of using just a radio button, replacing that with like a card element, right, which is a little bit more descriptive mm -hmm. of like what it is. Uh, can, can include some context around it. And then what you do is like, you know, highlight that that particular card, right? Or or large button yeah. within a button group. Uh, that's kind of what I'm going for. Yeah. So I'd be interested to hear your kind of take on that. Like, do you feel like that's less discoverable? Do you think you need to like educate your users about that? Like, I, I think there's some concern around it. I'd be interested to hear your take on it. Yeah, though. yeah. I've, I've actually done the same thing with the cards in in our um well in our online sign up but also in our members area so if you go into our members area and you want to change plan we have like a plan suite and then under the plan suite you've got a number of plans to choose from so the, the, the suites are essentially groups of plans so we might have like the 2017 plans and then we've got the current ones and you know i thought it was pretty good you know we highlight uh when you go to a plan change we highlight the one that you're currently on and you can click on it and i i thought we had that pretty pretty well sorted out but we have I've, I've had one or two people out of you know our entire customer base so it's not a huge proportion that have actually reported it but they couldn't figure out because it was blue they sort of just thought oh you know it's oh, already yeah. selected and now it doesn't work so this is one problem because you know you're trying to be creative about these things but people sort of have an understanding of how things work so you really yeah. need to make it more obvious like and and it's only blue because our branding is blue so i don't really have another i mean if i wanted to introduce another color into the ui to to indicate that but it's interesting that you bring this up and i've i've been thinking about it recently because i think wes boz and scott tolinski on their most recent syntax fm did some stuff about accessibility and adam wathen on his most recent full stack radio which we'll link these up in the show notes if you want to take a listen to them he had ryan florence on talking about reach ui which is a project that he has built and talking a lot about accessibility and understanding like what is actually like with the implications of building your own controls like this and and accessibility and and how you know creating something that isn't a radio button that kind of behaves like a radio button and then all of the implications around tab indexes and and handling screen readers and all that kind of stuff um, and especially like for us we're an internet provider so you don't know like you're trying to cater, you're providing an internet connection to any number of different people and you right. don't know what situations they're in, whether they speak English, whether right. they... There's no specific demographic, right? It's like quite a way, yeah. Yeah, so, and I think with with like the church thing, it'd be very similar. You'd have like elder people in in the church, like they might have access to a computer, but they're obviously not going to be as as clued in as, as someone like our age. So, you know, there's, I think that whilst it looks nice and, and it seems functional for someone like me who's built it or someone who I would expect to have a moderate level of proficiency with the computer, 
they would get it. But it's the the edge cases and like I've I've kind of left it because it was only one or two people that were complaining about sure. it. But you know, it's as as we grow and and we're expecting a big period of growth over the next twelve months. Um, you know, it may become more of an issue. So yeah, it'd be interesting to do. Like, it'd be interesting for you guys. Like, so I'm on like a really crazy tight deadline on this one, so I'm leaving it. But but it, yeah. it'd be interesting. Like, even in your case, if you were able to do some sort of like feature flag or some sort of A/B test to see, yeah, you know, if there's any if there's any large difference between the the two different implementations. So like, does a radio button actually work better, but look uglier, but people don't care? You know, uh, does it yeah. still convert as well, or do people? You know, can you get people to sign up for a higher level? plan by you know i don't know i'm not Mm -hmm. sure but i think it'd be interesting yeah i even like as i had my wife go through the registration form and kind of uh this one section so like if i I was really really careful to set my tab indexes really well and was um careful to kind of preserve like all of the keyboard shortcuts that you would assume would be there so like on a checkbox on a radio box like you should be able to tab from the input form before it to go to that checkbox and then press space or enter on it to select that thing, right? Yeah. And tab yeah. to the next one and be able to press space or enter on that thing. So I, I did that. So like you can see like when you tab to it, it highlights it. And then when you press space or enter, it selects it. And then you can tab through and continue on. But when she tabbed onto it, it over it overlaid it with like a, a highlight sort of, uh, you know, it outlined it, right? And then she, yeah. then she pressed next. She just assumed like, oh, that's selected. Right. So it's that same, yeah. you know, and then there's like, nope, you need to select one of these. And there's like, oh, 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 I have to select one. Okay. So then she clicked on it and it was fine. But yeah, it's that same, yeah. you know, it's just that thing where like with a radio button, you would know that you would know that, oh, that's not, it's not selected. Correct. Like it's highlighted, but it's not selected. Yeah, Cause it's a train thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just like one of these conventions that you just kind of take for granted. It's an affordance, right? So like I, I actually looked up sure. affordances and actually Ryan Singer, when he was at uh, Laracon in Louisville, 2016, I think, or 2015. Yep. I can't remember. 2016. He talked about this idea of affordances. And so I actually looked that up the other day. Like, what is an affordance? And so a good example of what an affordance is, is like, it's a almost like, I should look up the definition, but it was like an indicator of an action. Like it's something that tells you you can do something. So like if you see a, if you have like a panel and you have a pull on this panel, you recognize that as, oh, that's a drawer. I could pull on that thing. Right. So like you ever yeah. have those like fake drawers underneath your sink? Like, have you ever seen those? You know what I'm talking about? It's like they have the drawer pull <laughs> yeah, on them, but you about, can't yeah. actually pull them out. Right. That's like a deceptive yeah. affordance, yeah. right? You just assume like, oh, there's a drawer pull on that. I, I can pull that out. Right. That's an idea of an affordance, mm-hmm. right? It's a recognized yeah. thing that allows you to know I can perform an action with this. So that's that's the whole idea. It's like getting people to recognize mm-hmm. that as a action or how do they use it, right? Yeah. Definitely. So anyway, yeah, that's kind of the trick. But I really like how I really freaking like how it looks. <laughs> Way yeah, that's the thing. Like it, it's aesthetically pleasing, but there's just so many things that you have to consider re-implementing. I think one of the one of the screencasts that Adam did for the sponsorship project that he was screencasting before he moved house, he went into like all of the crazy things that he had to do in order to to support that functionality and creating those cards as selectors. So I mean, it may be as simple as putting like a little circle on there to indicate that it's not selected. And then when you click on it, it like changes that circle to a tick or something or just yeah. like a green dot. Just something that's visually representative of what someone would expect a a selected versus an unselected thing. So we say, you know, it's highlighted blue because this is the current plan suite you're on. So if you want to change the plan within your current suite, 
you must first select the suite and then select the plan. So yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, and it's hard to know because it's not like people are reporting this. They're not calling up and saying, "Oh, I couldn't use this thing." They're calling up and just saying, "I want to change my plan." So we don't know like that they've yeah. tried to do it online and that they couldn't. So it's tricky. But I mean, our internal system, our internal CRM. We've, you know, the company's been in business for 10 years. So there's like 10 years worth of radio buttons in there, like literally just the spewed list of radio buttons. Yeah. So no, it's horrible. They're not nice if you don't format it properly. So yeah. Yeah. This is so what like, done. So like, but it's interesting other- that you, you've, you know, you've done the same thing that I've done. And we both think that it looks nice, but is it necessarily functional? Mm, yeah. Probably not. I don't know. I can, and the thing is, too, is like it's really nice because you can replace both radio buttons with this and you could also kind of replace like small groups of ch- of uh, select drop downs as well so like if you have like mm-hmm. a select drop down that has like like four options or less right number one the question is like should we be using radios or should you be using a select at that point right yeah but you can also replace a, a select drop down with these and so that was sort of like part of the other thing is like uh you know depending again on the context it's like i have uh rooming options Right, so when they're when they're applying for a trip, rooming options. Do you want quad occupancy? Do you want triple occupancy, double occupancy, or single occupancy? Well, mm-hmm. number one, what does that mean? Right. I mean, most people you would yeah. assume should know that, but like in the select drop down, they had this massive like description like in there. It said quad occupancy. Then it said, you know, including four people, uh, at least four people, and possibly up to five people. And then it said like value charge added to your trip. Zero dollars. Then if yeah. you did triple occupancy, yeah. it made another description. Then it said plus twenty dollars, you know, per day for your trip yeah. kind of thing. And so like all of that context and all that information would be contained really nice and neat inside a card, and without having to click through each option or or do that weird drop down. And that's the other thing on mobile. If you try to do that yeah. on mobile, you click that on iPhone, you get yeah. this weird like gray bar come up from the bottom. The you real, won't even be able to yeah. see the entire. It would just look nasty, right? So in some yeah, cases, yeah, yeah. I do feel like it actually does look better and work better. It's just making mm. sure that people know it's a selectable thing, you know. Yeah. So I'm probably just going to. And you just got to hope that you don't have any any people with visual impairments not using your website. Yeah. Because then they're using the screen reader and then the screen reader is going to go, you know, what do I do with this kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting because when when Ryan was talking on on Adam's podcast about this, they say, you know, it reads the the close, like the close uh, toggle on a modal as a cross. And people know, like people that use screen readers know now that cross means close. But for a long time, it was like, what is cross? Or times it came up as because that was the name of the font or some icon or whatever that people tend to uh, use. So, interesting. You know, all of these things. So obviously that as 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 these things keep getting used more and more, people obviously start to figure out how to use them. But it's it's still the the issue of, the, you know, learning what they mean. So, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, so, okay. Here's the second part then. So the um, So the church thing. So like, how would you, how would you solve that? Cause here's what I need. Here was, here was the, I've got a solution. I'm just interested in hearing what your first stab at it would be. So the question is, I have to be able to have a church name and a city and a state. Yep. What's, what's your first stab at? Like, how would you, how would you have them do that? I know I'm putting you on the do spot here. Do you already here. know the city and the state? Maybe. Right. Like if it's a church, like, would you ask for the city and the state first and then ask for the church name? No, that's or a good question. That's a good, for all in one spot. That's a good, that's an interesting way to do it. Right. Cause, cause the ideal solution is I want to have like, I want to be, I want to ha- be able to have them select a church from a list if we already have it. 
But if we yeah. don't have so it, we'll just do a type ahead. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we, and we've done a similar thing. So we've got this this database. So you do so you do a type ahead. So like then what if the what if it doesn't exist? Well, if it doesn't exist, you'd you'd want to create it. But this is why I'm saying if you had the if you already knew the city and the state they were coming from, then you could do a type ahead and like pin it to that city and state. Right. Just filter it down. So what what correct? So what we do with our on sign like we just we've got this database of every single address in quotes in Australia. So every single physical address in Australia, it's managed by a national like geographic society or something. They publish it every three months. So we update it and we use that. So what we do is we import this database and then we concatenate like, because everything is broken up into individual parts. So you've got the street number and the street name and the street type are all separate fields and they're spread across multiple databases. And then you've got localities, which are suburbs. And then you've got states, which are obviously states. Um, and then street localities are linked to localities. So there's all of this, like it's very highly normalized. So what we do is we will take all of the address part. So we will take like one infinite loop Cupertino and we would put one infinite loop Cupertino into like an address thing. And then we'll put a full text search on that. And then we'll, we would put the ID for the suburb and the state. We then get just like a, a free text input field. And we have the user type in their address. So they will type in one Cupertino, uh, one infinite loop Cupertino. We send that to Google. Google then gives us back the components of the address. So we get the suburban state and we can then reconstruct it with our database. So I guess what I'm getting at is that if you have the suburban state and you have a list of churches, so you'd have the church name and the suburb and the state in a table. So they could type like Calvary and Calvary would be in normal Illinois, right? Mm -hmm. So you'd already have normal in Illinois from their application and you would just have a look at Calvary and you go, okay, we've already got that. So we would use this ID. And if not, we would then create a new one with Calvary, get a new ID and then attach the suburban state to it. You, my friend, are my... Was that a real long roundabout No, no that's, exactly, of... that's exactly what I ended up doing. Does that make sense? It does. That's exactly what I ended up doing. Also, I will say, and this is something else I wanted to talk about, Algolia has a service called Locations. And what you just described yep. is what they allow you to do, except for, I'm sure they don't have it for Australia. No, no, they do. Oh, they do. Uh, and we looked at it. We did look at it briefly when I, uh, after, after Taylor's keynote at Laracon US and he, and he mentioned this, right, I went yeah. looking into it and there was, but we're, we're so very tied to Google for so much of our stuff. We use it for geocode. We use it for driving directions for our installers. So they know like if they're coming from point A, they know how to get to point B and roughly how long it will take and things like that. So we're very tied to it. So we don't didn't want to split out to using that a makes different sense. service for one part. No, of it. it totally makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, do, I am I am aware of Algolia location, and uh, it does look very cool. It's amazing. And like their free tier, I think, is very generous it is. as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so for what I need it for, the free tier totally makes sense. And um, I'm mm -hmm. all about like I I hate forms with a passion. I hate filling out forms. Like I yep. I want them to be as simple as possible because nobody it's not an enjoyable thing for anybody to fill out a form, right? So anything yeah. that I can make, anything that I can allow the user to skip to not fill out, I will do that, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, we have like instead like I mean down to the point of like instead of first name last name, I just was like I made <laughs> remember that whole discussion about like full name. That was literally to get rid yeah. of like one field. Name. I'm yeah. like I'll just just name. Just full name, name, whatever yep. you want to call it. Just because I was like, I don't, if I can get rid of one more field, that's, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even down to like, I really spent a lot of time thinking about like how I wanted to do their birth date. Like how I want to do that. So like, mm -hmm. cause that's always a massive annoyance. Like, do you make them type in the numbers with the slashes, without the slashes, with dashes? Yeah. What, you know, they can't, 
that, you know, how do you do that? So I ended up doing a, a select dropdown for the month, then a, a text field for the month and a text field for the year. It worked out really well anyway. Anyway, so yeah. the uh, with the church thing, what I ended up doing is, is pretty much exactly what you said. So they go to the church page and my initial thought was, okay, a type ahead. But then if it doesn't exist, allow them to add it by clicking a, you know, don't see your church here, click at, you know, add your church. And then maybe a modal that would have like your church name and your city and state. But I was like, mess, screw that mess. Yeah. What I do is I always just have the type ahead and then I have the city and the state below always. So if they utilize the type ahead mm-hmm. and they find their church and they click on it or press enter or whatever, it will go to ahead and automatically fill the city and the state in. So if they, oops, yep. made a mistake, they can change the city, change the state and submit it. And then on the back end, I just check to see, hey, do we have a church with that name, with that city, with that state? And if we don't, go ahead and create a new one. Otherwise, associate them with the one that you found. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so it it's nice because it's abstracted. The user has no idea that that's going on. It feels super mm-hmm. clean and there's no like secondary variation of, hey, if you don't have a church, you have to add one using this different form because that's annoying for me too. Yeah. Yep. Doing it all in line. Yeah, yeah. Doing it all in line in one spot. So it feels really good. So what do you, what do you do in the cases where someone types like Calvary, but they don't bother to uppercase the C and so that every single person after that would then get like this crappy looking lowercase thing or do you do some formatting of the, the input? That's a great question. I don't, I don't do any formatting of the input yeah, okay. and I haven't. So, you know, as of now, I'm just doing, using like Cedar data and all the Cedar data that mm-hmm. I'm pulling in right now. Uh, it, it, you know, kind of does those nice capitalizations for me. So that's actually a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Like I would really like to be able to do a, um, you see words, right? Like uppercase words uh, yeah. for, uh, for those church names. That'd be a good idea. And, and for the city as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and this is what we did because our, our internal CRM, because of the the way that we do the lookups, you basically have to put in the suburb. Then you have to like, and then it'll give you a list of suburbs and then that has the state attached to it. And then you can do the address. Internally, that's kind of okay. It's, it's still kind of crappy, but you know, no one types their address. Like you don't type normal Illinois and then like one, two, three, Jake street. Right. No, you type one, two, three, Jake street, normal Illinois. So this is like, we did this with the, our online signup. It's literally the first question, where do you want a service connected? And then it has an input field. And then you type whatever. We send that to Google. Google then sends back the, the normalized address. And then we try and match it with our own database. But trying to do a full text search across, I think it's 14 and a half million records in MySQL is not ideal. And we, I think the the cost of doing that with Algolia was probably excessive for us. Yeah. And spinning up Elasticsearch was a bit of a pain to to do that internally. So, but it's really nice. You just type whatever you want. Like you can just put like one, two, three, Jake Street, normal. And like Google is really, really good at figuring out what you actually meant, which makes it much easier for us to then like match up a proper address. And it means that we know with 100% certainty that we are we are going to provision a service at the exact address that a customer has specified that they live at, which is crucial to us because we don't want to like send an installer to the wrong address or whatever. Yeah. It gets a bit hairy sometimes because it doesn't do things like post boxes. Sometimes people think their address is one thing when it's actually something else. So I had a customer call up and they were like really irate because they're like, my address is here and I've got like the lease for the building says it's here. I'm like, yeah, but your building, because they were on the corner. I'm like, but your building faces the other road and your address is on the other road. And the sign on the driveway to your building is for the address on the other road. So <laughs> sometimes it's like suboptimal, but like it's really helpful for us. So we just got to bite the bullet on that one. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, you know, the, the whole idea of like form design, it's it's um, 
good design is invisible, right? So, you know, hopefully your user never really has to look at or think about or see the nuts and bolts behind like the different things you've done. But a lot of times it's just clever yeah. rearranging of like which which questions you ask first, right? Because if you ask a certain question first, that eliminates a question further on down the line, right? So yeah. yeah, it's just kind of like thinking outside the box and trying to be intelligent about what questions you're asking and in which, which order, and then trying to complete mm -hmm. as much of the form as you can for your user without their intervention. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fun challenge. I really enjoy that, like that challenge part of it. I just hate filling out forms myself. So yeah, and so you were. I have two questions on this as well. In terms of technology, you're using Tailwind for this, and you are using Nova as well. Um, I am going to be using Nova. Yes, I haven't got yet to that piece. Um, that was a big part of the reason why I told them I could take this on was I knew that the backend administration was going to be a massive, massive task, and so and I gave myself a month for the back end. And I'm basically shipping a slimmed, like a stripped down version of what they eventually will need all of. Right. So I've got a deadline yep. for them of December 1st. And like, by that point, they need to be able to register for the system, apply for a trip and make a payment. That's what they need to be able to do. Mm -hmm. So I think I can accomplish that. But the, like I said, yeah, Nova will be the back end and it will be a very slimmed down version, but I'm super excited because I know it's going to save so much time and it's going to be so much better than anything I could have made myself. Um, Tailwind, no, yeah. I'm not using actually Tailwind. So this oh, is okay. I, this enough. is a it's sad for me because I've used Tailwind on a recent project, and oh my word, mm -hmm. I love it. It is so <laughs> awesome. So because I designed everything in Sketch first, and then implementing it was so trivial. Like I can literally do whatever I want. I feel like an artist. Like yeah. I just feel like I can. You know, it's like a blank canvas, <laughs> and I've never experienced that with with like HTML, CSS, whatever. Like it's just it's always like been so painful to have to go in and write all the freaking classes or trying to figure out like mm -hmm. how do I want to do this like BEM style sort of like okay which part is the yeah. block which part's the element do I want to make this a modifier do I not like so many decisions to be made and now I just feel like I can go in and, like I don't ever have to go into CSS I just rip it apart with like yeah. HTML and just put some classes on the freaking div and call it a day it's been amazing. Yep. So I do miss that, but um, I'm actually using Bootstrap 4. So you'll hate me. Okay. You'll hate me so for it's this. Not it's not bad. Awful. It's actually pretty decent. But the other thing that I, this, this kind of trade-off that I made is I was like, okay, I'm the only person on this project. I don't have a designer. I don't have like any other people to bounce ideas off of. So I actually found um, on the Bootstrap 4 site, they have those templates that they sell, like yep. Bootstrap endorsed templates or whatever, right? Yeah, the found official a ones. super yeah, yeah, yeah. solid, super, super solid template that has a ton of options. And honestly, more than anything, like I'm looking at it for like design ideas and then I'm implementing kind of a lot of the pieces that they have. So the other nice thing is like, Bootstrap 4 has utility classes. They're not as yeah. nice as Tailwind's. They don't have some of the like breakpoint stuff that Tailwind has, which I really love. How you can just prefix something with SM colon and then, you know, MT1 or whatever. And it's, you know, it's just incredible. I love it so yeah, much. Yeah. So oh, I haven't looked at the Bootstrap Themes page for a while because there was only like three or four on there that were built by the Bootstrap team. But there is heaps and heaps. There's on some now really look, good ones. And I'm really telling slick. you, it's going to like speed up my my development time by like a crap ton because I pretty much just have yeah. to pick the pieces I want and slap them on the page and they look pretty dang good. So yeah. Do you, do you know, I like this because Bootstrap has taken this by the scruff of the neck because, you know, with Bootstrap 2 and Bootstrap 3, 98% of bootstrap sites all yeah. looked like bootstrap sites. 
I'm looking at this this Bootstrap Themes page. Absolutely. That's None what I'm of saying. these look the same. That's what I'm saying. So I actually, so the thing is, I sent you guys some so, screenshots almost as a test. I sent you and some of the other developers on our channel who, if yeah. anybody had seen like a Bootstrap theme or recognized it as such, would have said something. None of you guys did because nobody recognized it. It looks like a totally custom built site. And I'm like, this is great. So good enough for yeah. me anyway. None of the people who I'm building it for nice. are going to know or care. They won't, yeah. they won't care. So yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. I like, I like that. And these, these things are not expensive. Either. Yeah. I bought one for like I, 60 I mean, bucks, but think. it's totally worth um, it. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously in terms of like pricing parity and thing, like 60 bucks might be a lot of money to someone from, you know, a, a country where the, the dollar doesn't yeah. work quite as well. But in terms of like, if I was doing this for a freelance project, well, I'd, I'd factor it into the cost and I'd, I'd just buy it and, and you know, exactly. that's, a whole that's what I'm saying, man. Like, it's so nice. Just yeah. have like a starting point. And, and a lot of these are just like elements that, I, mm. so it's like, these are the things that I would ask a designer to like, Hey, can you come up with an idea for like, I have this sort of issue. Like, can you come up with some creative ideas for what I might be able to do in that spot or something? And I literally can look through this mm -hmm. template and they've got tons and tons and tons of ideas and pages sort of pre-built. And I, it's rare that I just like take an entire page and, and just plop it on there. But I'll take a, lunch, a bunch of bits and pieces from different spots and like, oh, that works really well here. Like, oh, that card, that the way that they're displaying the avatars there and those members looks really interesting. I'm going to use that piece, you know, so it solves a lot of problems for me. Yeah. I almost thought of like, I almost thought of using the design, like just looking at the designs and re-implementing it with Tailwind, like rebuilding those same looks with Tailwind, but eh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to have a look through here because we're rebuilding our website at the moment and we have a design and I was going to like our, our design team built the site and like sent the HTML and I'm not thrilled with it. So I was going to re-implement it with yeah. Tailwind, but yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. So, much so Michael, we not, have been talking time. for 35 minutes about my stuff. So what, what have you got? We've got a couple minutes left here. We've got, yep, we'll last 10 minutes, last 10 sorry. Minutes for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I've, I don't for anyone that follows me on Twitter, I've uh, been over the last month and a half. So we've got, uh, we, we predominantly do fixed wireless where I am, but we're now moving into the, like terrestrial, we're using the national broadband network that the government has been building and we're going into that space in the next couple of months. So part of that has involved changing up some of our core infrastructure, the way that we manage suspension and shaping of users and, and things like that. So we've had to re-implement some of that functionality as part of the, a, a wider project to get towards the next phase of, of our growth. And in rewriting some of this stuff, we added in a few features that change the way we do billing. And then I went to run the test suite for our CRM. And that was when I realized that no one had, we, we hadn't changed any of the billing stuff in about eight months and that our test suite just did not run anymore. So, which, you know, it didn't run in CI, no one ran it manually because we're like, well, we're not changing the billing system. So why change, right. uh, why run the test for the billing system? Oh, no. So, and, and in that time we've like awesome. switched to Laravel in that time we've you know really modernized a lot of our architecture we've started using nomad to manage our database migrations we've got shared models eloquent models between different applications so i then decided as a as an interim step to rewrite a lot of our billing components to use the query builder we're using we were we were using mysqli in in our in our CRM, so it was not a straightforward change. 
I literally had to rewrite many, many queries from like plain, yeah. you know, how yep. we always used to write SQL with just yep. like escape string. Uh, we had escape strings at least, thankfully, but, you know, getting rid of all of the HTML and then converting that to Query Builder, which in most cases wasn't too bad. Query Builder returns arrays of objects and there's no simple way of like changing. You used to be able to change the the fetch from object to array that's like tucked away somewhere in Laravel. And I don't think you can change Cause it. Cause you want, you were wanting to change form. it to return arrays so, of arrays. Yeah. Cause every, pretty much everything in our sure. system expects associative arrays. And I didn't really want to change consuming code. I just wanted yeah, to change yeah. how we were getting the data out. And a lot of this was because we had like some stuff was using PDO and, you know, eloquent and, and query builder natively. And some stuff was using MySQLi. but if, Query Builder opened a transaction and then called to a function that was using MySQLi. It would then try and you know access a record that didn't exist because it was locked oh, by that the, sucks. the other database connector. So, and and then we had like a global required to get like the database handle and this is being loaded on every application page load and things like that. So then every now and then we'd get like too many connections because of the way that the database was being connected to. So. Went through and rewrote all of that, rewrote all of the tests to use Query Builder. And this took like a month of rewriting tests and rewriting large swathes of code. And eventually we got to the point where now, because, you know, as I said, we've got the migrations running out of Nomad, we can build our entire application from scratch anywhere like you would any normal Laravel application, yeah. which is really, really good because now That's all of our so tests nice. run yes. in CI. Praise God, right? I know. Like it's so nice to see that green checkbox and actually be able to have some confidence that it works. Yeah. I mean, what worried me about this was that there was like tests that were testing code paths that were never hit. So then I started to panic. I'm like, well, what are we testing? What is actually like, what is actually used in production? And like our billing system calls functions that are here but there's no like test suite for the billing system itself like when we run our invoicing every day there isn't a test for the invoicing script there's a test for all of the discrete functions that the invoice script calls so you would assume that it all behaves properly but you know i started to panic there and then this was holding up like the other project and it's like getting to the point where like we have to get this other stuff out and i'm like well i'm not making any changes to this thing until i fix it because we're changing the billing system i don't want to break the billing system to get this other stuff in. So that all went into production this week. The billing system awesome. went perfectly. There was all this ancillary stuff that just like fell apart because there was like in in a lot of the functions, we would do like a MySQLi query. And then we would go, if not dollar query, return false. So like if the query failed for whatever reason, we would return false. But if the query didn't fail but had no results, we would return null. And then otherwise we would return an associative array of like either the, the single result or the, you know, the collection of results. So I sort of took out part of that and just went, oh, the query didn't return anything, return false. And then like a whole bunch of stuff broke because it was expecting null. So there was like other code in the system that was like, you know, if this returns null, then, you know, because false was the error condition and null was like the no records condition. So then I like broke a whole bunch of stuff there. So I had to go and fix that. And then there was a whole bunch of stuff. Then I had undefined indexes because I was returning like null instead of that. And then there was undefined variables and all kinds of weird stuff. And then I found that there was like a whole bunch of scripts that do, you know, provisioning sign-off and completions and add contacts and things like that, that they all broke 
because they were all for whatever reason running in transactions. So then I, I flipped that problem where now the transaction was starting in MySQLi and Query Builder couldn't get in there. So I've just created like a whole bunch of issues in GitLab to like, we need to rewrite this to use Query Builder. We need to rewrite this to use Query Builder. We, we need to rewrite this to use Query Builder. So that's been certainly an adventure, but I'm I'm really happy. Like it's it's been a lot of work and and it's around like other bits and pieces of just day-to-day bug fixes and, and what whatnot. So I'm glad that we've got that functionality in. We've got all of the, like all of the new stuff that I wrote to support the new platform all worked f- straight away pretty much, which was which was very helpful because then it meant that I was only stressing about one thing not working. And we, we got pretty close to having to roll it back because it was I, I said, I have to do this in the middle of the day because the, the quickest way for me to find out what doesn't work anymore is to do it when people are going to be using the system. So I deployed it at like midday, one o'clock, and I spent like the next four hours, you know, for the rest of the day fixing things. And then I think I fixed the last bug at about nine o'clock that night. So, but I mean, it had to be done, had to be done. And um, we're, we're better for it. And we've got a, we've got a new guy starting tomorrow and he's, because he asked, you know, what am I going to be working on? I said, we'll, we'll get you on Greenfield side of things. Like we won't throw you into the the legacy part of this. You know, there's like things that you would have to have intrinsic knowledge of the system in order to, to and, and, and he just wouldn't get anything done. So uh, he'll be working initially on integrations for the, the NBN side of things just to get like, because this is all new functionality that we don't have. So he'll get to build that and then, as all of that stuff gets built up, we'll sort of transition him into helping me in doing more of the the rewrites. So starting to get a lot of the legacy stuff over to plain Laravel. So that'll be a, a reasonably big undertaking. Every time I jump into a file, I'm changing something like I try and rewrite it into using Query Build or I try and get it to pull in eloquent models natively wherever possible. Some of our like JSON endpoints i've started rewriting just to use you know laravel's stuff because it's just much nicer and just like swapping out those endpoints and updating things as we go so it, it is a very slow burn we are getting there we're starting to get you know introducing more tests and things are starting to to get nicer and nicer so but yeah i, I needed to get this piece out before the the new guys started so i'm like right this is like our frankenstein it's got all of this legacy stuff over here over here that you don't need to worry about here's the new stuff you're going to be working on you know because we don't want to scare him off while he's still on probation (laughs) and like we've talked about bits and pieces like the the nomad and vagabond stuff that i worked on in like february that's got us to this point where we can spin up applications that all talk to the same databases and we can just like not have to worry about it because our the, the test environment for the the main crm would only run on our, you know, our shared development server, it would expect that there was a copy of the database there. And on every test run, it would copy the database across into like database underscore currently logged in user. And then like, if you didn't have that there, you couldn't run the test suite. Like, and it, and it depended on very specific environment stuff in the development environment. Whereas now I built like a little Docker container. I just throw it into GitLab and off it goes, pulls it all down, runs it gives me green tests and then you know you click that little automatically merge when when build passes so now we just need to put in some more tests some more integration stuff because there's some like really weird tests I, I shared some screenshots with with you guys on telegram it's like you know 
create like run this function and then as a byproduct of this function calling like four other functions there should be four invoices generated and they should be invoice id one two three and four and i'm like this doesn't work for those of you who don't know if you run your database test in transactions so if you use laravel's like database migrations or refresh database or whatever when the test gets rolled back all of the data disappears but it doesn't reset the order increment so if you have if you call like invoice create and that gives you invoice ID one, and then in another test, you call invoice create again, that'll create invoice ID two. So when you are expecting it to be one, two, three, four, every single time, it's not going to work because this was just doing a, it wasn't running things in transactions before. It was just doing like a migrate the data, uh, seed the data and then truncate the table every time. So the test, the test suite used to take like four or five minutes to run. It's like 16 seconds now. So it's beautiful. And I'm back. So my audio cut out for the last 10 minutes because that just seems to be the way these things go. Okay, man. Well, I think we are at time. Uh, I think we are a couple minutes. We're five minutes over about. Uh, we had some audio issues and glitches and all that fun stuff because why not, right? If after you've been off yeah. for two months, of course, that's going to happen. So whatever. Yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been a good, it's been a good chat. It's been good catching up with you and kind of getting some yeah. ideas from you. I have some, uh, I've, I've been inspired to kind of, uh, rip out all of the nastiness in my old legacy code and really just go for it. We've got, mm -hmm. we've got a, a project that we're, that we're kind of, uh, gearing up to take on this next month. The first week of this next month is just legacy code stuff. So yeah. maybe we'll get after that. Yeah. I pretty much put my foot down and said, look, we have to do this. If we're going to bring more people on and we're going to grow the code base and we're going to grow the team, we need to get it to a state where I'm not going to spend two months or three months teaching someone yeah. how and you know where everything is. Whereas yeah, now yeah. you can just clone the repository, run PHP outers and migrate and off you go. Yep. I think that's good. I'm actually going to have to, you know, like actually as we're talking about this, I'm kind of like, you know, why are we doing all that mess with like this other stuff? We're doing stuff in access databases and I'm like, it's such a pain in the butt to do that. Like, no. Yeah. We've got this ma these massive transform queries that are done in Access, which is not the right place to do them. I mean, it's currently, it quote unquote, works, but it's like, who yeah. wants to, I don't know. Anyway. Seems fine. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. This is fine with the dog burnt in a burning room. That's right. That's what that says. Right. All right, man. Uh, let's thank Spotsy real quick. Uh, thanks, Spotsy, for sponsoring the show. And Michael's showing me his little plush dog that has the, this is fine. And it's really cute. Any Spotsy packages? They just came out with something for Nova. I saw just recently. A bunch of so, stuff for Nova. Yeah. Let's see. What else am I using with Spotsies? That's amazing. Everything. Everything of theirs is amazing. I got to hang out with uh, Freke at, at Laracon this year, and he's an awesome dude. So I, I started watching his uh, Media Library presentation from Laracon <laughs> this year today. Yeah. I love, I love, of, I love the way he speaks with his Belgian accent and definitely not yeah. Netherlands, but Belgian. That of a media media library. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. We love you. I'm 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 really bummed that we didn't get, get to catch up this year, but maybe next year. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, let's see. This is episode 47. If you like the show, feel free to find show notes for it at northmeetsouth.audio slash forty-seven. If you have any questions for us, reach out to us on Twitter, Michael Dorinda, Jake Bennett, actually Jacob Bennett, sorry. And uh, feel free to give us a, a five-star review in your podcast of choice. That would be awesome and much appreciated. Yeah. Until next time, my friends. See you all. Glad to be back. Bye.